Hello and welcome back to She's In Focus, the podcast dedicated to inspiring and empowering female filmmakers and videographers from all walks of life and on every step of their creative journey. I'm your host, Kel Grant, an aspiring filmmaker from New Jersey who's just trying to turn my passion into something more and connect with amazing women who have the same passion for video. One of those being Ellie Bobby, a surf lifestyle, fashion and travel photographer and videographer based on the beautiful northern beaches of Sydney, Australia. Ellie has worked with well-known brands such as Roxy and has traveled to more places than I can count on my hand. Ellie, thank you so much for taking the time to speak with me and our audience today. It's so nice to meet you. Thank you, Kel. Thank you so much for having me. It's an honor to be here today. Of course. I'm so excited to get into your journey. You're actually the second guest we've had on the podcast who's currently residing in Australia. Um, so, but you've traveled all over the place. I have, um, you're from, you're from Paraguay, I believe, but I have listed here Paraguay, Argentina, Spain, England, France, Indonesia, and of course, Australia. So you're quite the traveler. How did that come about? Were you always a traveler ever since you were a young girl? What's the story there? Yeah. So yes, I was actually, I was always a traveler, I guess, since I was a little kid. Um, I was born in Paraguay. And my mom is from Spain. So um, when I was little, when I was about 10 years old, my mom and I um, moved to Spain. Um, So I lived there for three years as a kid. And then um, I moved back to Paraguay with my dad and then back to Spain. And so I was like back and forth between Paraguay and Spain for a few years until I turned um, 15. Um, And then when I finished high school, I went to study in Argentina. Um, then I went back to Paraguay and then I decided to go back to Spain with my mom. Um, so yes, I guess like I grew up that way, kind of like traveling between two continents. Yeah. Wow. That's so cool. How did you end up in Australia then? (laughs) That is a long story. So yeah. So like I was saying, I moved to Spain when I was 19 to kind of like stay there with my mom and my family in Spain, Um, but I actually didn't end up staying there. I ended up going to London to learn English and all that. Um, And over there, I met my ex-partner, who is from Australia. Um, And yeah, so after that, we lived in a few different countries, um, traveled around South America a bit, and then, um, yeah, basically, he wanted to change careers, and he decided to come back to Australia, and I just came along as well, and yeah. Awesome. So how has this this travel kind of influenced your journey as a photographer and a videographer? It comes about with the fact that um, I've got four doctors at home. I've got four doctors in my family and I always thought I wanted to be a doctor. Um, So like my whole life, I was like, yeah, I'm going to be a doctor. I'm going to be a doctor. And then the last year of high school, I was like, oh, my God, I actually don't think I want to be a doctor. Like, I don't know what I want to do. so I started exploring other things and I always liked art and like artsy things and all that. And so, um, yeah, I decided to go to Argentina and study fashion design and it didn't quite like I did it for a year in total. Um, and it didn't quite fit with me, I don't think. Um, but then when I went to Spain and I started traveling a bit more in London and after London and all that, I realized that I really like taking pictures and um, sharing it with my family and my friends so they could see what I was um, doing while I was there, kind of like seeing the world through my eyes. 
Um, and I started getting really hooked with photography and video, of course. <laughs> wow. So, yeah, yeah. So that's where it all began. That's awesome. Um, yeah. So how did you, how did it originally start? So you were just taking pictures of your travels, um, but now you have a, a full-fledged business. So what was the journey from kind of doing it as a hobby and realizing your passion for it to now where you make a living off of it? I started taking pictures and videos during my travels to share with my friends and family. Um, and I slowly realized that I wanted to turn it into a career, but I just didn't really know how to do it. Um, so when I arrived in Australia, I started exploring different types of um, photography and video. Um, I, started for, I started off doing weddings um, just assisting other photographers and videographers and um, going there, second shooting for them. Um, then I started doing my own a little bit. Um, I did food photography, um, maternity, newborn, like a little bit of everything until I finally found a niche that I really liked. So you were exploring when you first got to Australia you know you're you're branching out you're reaching out you're exploring all these different types of photography but when was it that you found your niche and your style because when I look at your portfolio you have a very particular style that rings true through all of your work so when did you find that was that kind of like an aha moment or was there some sort of introduction to it what was it like yes I think it was kind of like an aha moment um, I started surfing when I moved here and I realized that I really, really loved, um, the lifestyle and everything around it. So I moved here in 2013 and about 2017, I started meeting a few surf photographers. Um, and so started making friends with a few people, um, that surfed as well. Like lots of girls, we have a big community of girls who surf here so I decided to invest in my own equipment and just start taking photos of surfers of people surfing so I would just go out there and chat to people and you know like take photos these and that um and yeah I guess like meeting people within that surf culture kind of thing and then um slowly brands started contacting me to create content for them um, at the beginning, it was like a lot of work for free, obviously. Um, and then like right. at this at this stage, I was still doing other types of photography and video. Um, sorry, no, at this stage, I was still doing other types of photography. And I think this is also when I started to get really interested in video, because um, obviously I wanted to capture people surfing in photos, but I also wanted to capture the whole... Um, environment and I don't know just things that you're not able to capture with photography but the, you are with video and I would also shoot a bit of not just the surfing action but also the lifestyle around it um like in a kind of fashion way so like for um swimwear and things like that and I think that's when I realized oh I actually this is what I want to do this is where I want to focus I want this to be my niche that's incredible. Um, not a lot of people find that right away, but I guess once you, I guess I haven't like really found my niche yet either, but I think it's like, once you stumble upon it, you're like this, I gotta, if I can create this all the time, 
forever I would do that I, that sounds like uh surfing and that kind of lifestyle niche it sounds like that's what that is for you yes definitely I really enjoy that awesome so you um you said when you first started working you you said obviously I was doing a lot of work for free so what was that process like were you doing the kind of free to fee method that a lot of videographers are taught um, or were at that point, were you just kind of building up your portfolio and happy to take on any project that could come your way? Yeah. So at the beginning, I would um, do quite a bit of free work to do portfolio building. So not kind of like free to fee, but yes, more portfolio building. I always felt a bit funny about doing free work because I was like, oh, you know, they're taking all this content and using them and using it to um, produce sales. And here I am just like taking all this content and yes, I am portfolio building, but you know, it's a lot of work, a lot of editing that goes into it, a lot of hours that also made me make little mistakes and then learn from them without the pressure, if that makes sense. Um, so from, from every single opportunity that I would create content, um, I would learn something and then when a paid job came around, I was very confident at doing that paid job because I had already made the mistake while portfolio building, if that makes sense. That's such a good point. And not a lot of people, it does totally make sense. That's such a good point because not a lot of people discuss that. They say like the, the free method is um, a really good way to kind of get exposure and make connections. But I think the real thing is if you're, um, if there's no money on the line, it really does take away a lot of that pressure which um, if you're just starting out in videography, you have, or even photography, it's like you have the equipment to worry about. You have the the client to worry about. You have all these factors to worry about on top of the fact that if, um, if you don't do a good job, you might not get paid or that someone might regret giving you the money for it. So if you take money out of the picture, um, you know, the worst thing that can happen is a brand doesn't like what you produce and then they don't use it, but it was free content. So they're not losing anything. Um, so I think that that's a really good point. And I'm glad to hear that that helped you kind of um, develop your portfolio in a, in a less intimidating way. Yes. I think, I think that is the thing that it helped me develop my portfolio and not just my portfolio, but also my skills without feeling that intimidated. Mm -hmm. And then obviously exposure as well you know I would treat an unpaid job the same as I treat a paid job so I would put my everything and try to do my best to create the highest quality um, work that I can and then obviously they would like it and then next time they would come to me and um, ask me to do paid jobs for them paid content or they would um, tell all their people about me because they were happy with what I had done for them, even though it was free. So the other people would, um, yeah, contract me to create some paid content for them. So I guess if you look at it that way, at the beginning of the career, it's, it's good to, you know, I mean, I think it's always good to set your boundaries as well. Um, it's not just like, oh, I'm just going to go and create free content and I'll give you like 200 photos for free just for exposure or just to build my portfolio or my skills. No, it's not like that. But if you set expectations and boundaries, you can get quite a bit out of it, especially at the beginning of your career. 
That's really awesome. Um, so aside from that, because um, that's definitely a strategy to also, you know, gain and hone your skills, is uh, reaching out to to brands and to to people who might just um, who you can just practice with. But um, what about individuals who are just starting out that are too timid or too nervous to approach brands or or anything like that? Do you have any advice? Um, for them like for me for example I'm not familiar with photo at all it's not something that I'm even really comfortable venturing into so I'm very confident with video and my kind of hack is I usually just pull stills from my video but that's not photography so as someone who wants to get into photography but doesn't necessarily want to take the risk of reaching out to someone how can someone like that kind of hone their skills in photography I think that the best piece of advice that I can give um, for that is first start small, start just shooting your friends, you know, creating content just for the fun of it without necessarily having to reach out to anyone or without necessarily sending the content to everyone, just with your friends, just with whatever you already have, you know, um, just create, like have some ideas in mind um, and create some projects around that Um, and then the second thing I think that it's always good to have someone to learn from so assisting other photographers or other or or other videographers um, that are obviously more senior in the industry and assisting them because you want to help them but also you will get to learn from them that's such a great idea um, and how how did you go about kind of finding those photographers and videographers? Um, to, and did you kind of just look for for local photographers in your area and kind of cold emailed or cold cold called them? What was that process like for someone who's kind of curious of trying out the same thing? I look. I probably would have done things very differently if it was right now. Um, but the way I did it was I didn't actually as- get to assist that many photographers and I really wish that I would have more. Um, one of them was literally just a job po- was posted on Gumtree, I think, or Facebook Marketplace, something like that, um, that a wedding photographer was looking for an assistant and I just applied and I got the job. Um, and I assisted him during a few weddings. I can't say I learned much from that experience. And this is when I say that I really wish I could have done things differently right now. The other one was a surf slash swimwear slash fashion photographer who is now a really good friend of mine who I helped out at a few shoots and he was introduced to me by a friend. But if I could have changed that, I think that the best way would be to um, find the people, like find the photographers or videographers that you would want to assist. And I would just directly approach with a portfolio in a in like an offering help way, not in a, oh, I want to learn from you. Can I help you? But in a way of like, hi, this is my name. This is the work I do. Um, you know, I love your work. I love that you do this and that. And I, these are my skills and I really want to be of help to you. If you ever need an assistant, I would love to be considered. Yes. Just something like that. Just something short and simple, but in a way that you want to help them because you can 
because you have the skills to help them in to help them in their business and then just creating a good relationship from them you know it's not just all take 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 but it's also give so what can you give them so then you can learn from them as well absolutely i think um it's offering value because i don't know that if if at this point in my business if someone approached me and said, you know, I really want to learn from you. I think in order to take that task on or that challenge on, you have to be um, a teacher. You have to take the role of a teacher. And not everybody, especially if they're on the job, wants to do that. I think you make a, you raise a good point of, you know, offer value. And in that process, you're going to end up learning things. But if you kind of approach someone and say, I want to help you to learn from you or I want to kind of be taken under your wing. I think that's a big ask to uh, to ask of someone. So I think, yeah, offering value first and then just seeing kind of where it goes from there is a great approach. Yeah, exactly. That's exactly right. So you've you've developed this the style of wanting to portray like beach culture of Australia and all of the things associated with that. So how do you go about finding clients that align with your niche? So yes, I guess a lot of it is um, word of mouth and also connecting with people. So I try to go to surf events or um, you know I'm always chatting to people in the water like. Um, we have, like I said before, we have a big community of girls that surf here on the northern beaches of Sydney. So yes, I think a lot of it goes through word of mouth, but also always shooting what I want to be hired for. Um, and also sharing that on social media. I think, I feel like for me, social media has been a bit help. I don't have a huge account. I don't have heaps of followers or anything like that, but I still feel like my, people have been able to recognize my style through my social medias and how, you know, if you look at my social media and my website, everything is kind of being consistent with the work that you want to be hired for um, and sharing that, you know, putting that out to the world. I think that's how, yes. Yeah, that's that's 100% true. It's so funny. I actually just experienced this yesterday someone reached out to me and they were like, can you film um, a 70th birthday party for me? Um, and what they wanted was, you know, like five hours of this, this 70 year old woman's birthday party. And then like an hour long recap of the events. Can I film that? Yes. I physically have the gear and the skills to do that. But it doesn't align with what I want to be doing, which is like short form social media content. If that event had been, you know, filmed for a few hours and put together like a fun, snappy one to two minute recap, then I would 100% be on board for that. But it just didn't align with where I wanted my business to go. And it didn't seem like a smart business decision. But I know um, for some videographers, you sometimes have to take those gigs that you don't want to take just to, you know, put food on the table, put money in your pocket. But for me, that's something I'm really starting to take to heart is, you know, only kind of seek out projects that you want to continually be hired for. And then the other thing is that you mentioned um, is your your social media acting as, as kind of like your portfolio and only putting work up that, again, you want to kind of 
find new clients for. Um, and that's something that I had to, to take into consideration for my portfolio on my website because, you know, through college and through the years, I filmed everything from weddings to sporting events to other stuff. So on my website, I had to kind of go through my portfolio and pick and choose what I wanted to be known for. Um, because if you put all of your work on your website and on your social media, I think that it's fair to say if someone visits your page, they would assume that you would want to do that again, or you'd want to be hired for those services. So um, I think you, you mentioned a great point. Yeah, that is exactly right. And that that's not to say that you can't keep doing those types of jobs. Like even I sometimes take jobs that I don't really, really like. But like you said, you know, and especially as a freelancer, as you may know, like sometimes you have a lot of work and then sometimes you don't have anything. So obviously sometimes you have to take things that maybe you're not as passionate about. Um, and I don't think that you shouldn't take them just because that I feel like every type of work, whatever it is, you're going to learn from it in whatever niche it is and it'll help you yeah. with what you want to do. But sometimes you need to prioritize where you want to spend your time and what you really want to um, put energy on because obviously everything takes a bit of your energy as well. So um, yes, that's not to, like I said, it's not to say that you can't do those types of jobs, but to aim to to do more of what you want to be hired for and to showcase that. Yes, and then I think also, um, like we mentioned social media, I think nowadays, um, I don't think it's very important to have like, oh, you know, like a very aesthetic placing feed or anything like that. As long as you put the work that you're passionate about and also that you connect with your audience and that you, um, you know, show yourself and I guess yeah it's funny because social media has just changed so much in the last few years I feel like right now what people want to see is connection so as long as you can connect you know with your work as well as with yourself share your values and connect with your audience and potential clients through your social media accounts I think that's how you also um, get hired for the jobs that you want to do a hundred percent. Absolutely. And I think that, you know, social media nowadays is such a resource and a tool, not only just for kind of showcasing the, uh, the kinds of work that you potentially want to be hired for, but also uh, through finding inspiration and finding other people in your niche to, um, to kind of hear about their journey and see what their process is. I think it's a, um, a tremendous resource that we have at our fingertips to be able to explore the work of others and in turn be inspired by that. Oh, definitely. Yes. Just to be able to connect with other people within the industry or like-minded people. It's, it's great. Like 10 years ago, we didn't really have it this way. And I just feel like it's so much easier in a way it's harder as well, but it's also, it's an advantage nowadays if you know how to use it right. Definitely. Definitely. So Ellie, I'm, I'm so curious, what have been some, I guess, big milestones in your filmmaking and photography career? So what are some moments that you look back and you say, oh, that was that was the shoot that I, you know, I learned a big lesson or that was the day where I got a really big client and I was really proud of it. What are some of those milestones for you? One of my biggest milestones, I think, was when I got hired by um, Club Med to create content for them. 
So I got to live in Bali for a year. I worked for ClapMed for about six months on a full-time contract. I was doing um, managing their social media accounts and content creation. And I think, yes, I definitely count this experience as being a milestone. First of all, because I learned a lot during that job. I was doing a lot of video content and a lot of photography content every day. I got to meet amazing people and obviously live in one of my favorite places in the whole wide world. Um, it wasn't all, you know, happiness and, and pink bubbles and everything. Definitely there were some really tough moments that I really learned from. But I think that this job was what gave me the confidence to finally be like, wait, I can, I can do this, you know. I have the skills to do this. And yes, I still have to learn a lot more. I, I still have a lot to learn but I definitely have the skills to do this as a freelancer if I want to. And yes, and so after that job, it's when I decided to um, start approaching a few more brands and, you know, to really focus on my niche and to pursue um, this as a full-time gig. Wow, that experience um, sounds like it was an amazing opportunity, um, but I'm sure you, you know, you took away a lot of lessons and the fact that you have kind of this, this pinpointed moment in your photography and filmmaking career where you could say, you know, this is where I really gained the confidence and, and really started taking myself seriously um, as an artist, um, because I think that sometimes when we're pursuing creative arts there's always this voice in our head that kind of says you're not good enough you're not doing it right look at all these other people they're doing so much better than you so much more than you um but then once you finally get these these really big projects under your belt um you kind of move up the ranks the metaphorical ranks in your own head and you're like okay no I overcame that so I can totally do this um and the fact that this kind of gave you the courage to plunge into this career full-time, um, I think is really special. But I'm curious to hear uh, about your kind of over the span of your your entire career up until this point, what were some of the, the highs, um, your proudest moments, your favorite projects, but then also what are some of the lows that you experienced, um, you know, the most challenging times in your creative career and what you learned from those? Yeah, so I guess like I, I've had a lot of low moments in my career, like like we all have had. Um, some of the lowest were probably, well, I actually didn't mention this before. So while right before this job, before this job came about, I was always doing photography and videography on the side. So I was treating it as a as a business but I always had a main job that would you know give me food on the table and then I would do this um on my spare time or like yes so I was working in hospitality and I also worked in childcare a little bit but I'm mostly in hospitality for a long 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 time while I was building my business and while I was saving to buy equipment and everything and I think um mm -hmm. I had a lot of moments during that time, because I was like, you know, I like, how am I going to make it? I knew that I wanted photography to be my full-time career, but here I was in this new country that I didn't really know that many people, um, you know, working a hospitality job, 
which was great to put food on the table, but it wasn't really taking me where I wanted to go. Um, so yes, I've had a lot of low moments then. I was like, I don't know how to make it. I don't know how to make it until I applied for this job. And I think that was probably one of the highest moments. Um, and then after that, funny, because I thought, well, I stayed there for six months um, working for Club Med and it was great and everything. And then I wanted to try and do freelance in Bali while I was in Bali for a little bit longer. Even though this job was the moment when I realized that I could do this and had the skills to, right after I got out of this job, I felt really, really lost. And I think that was probably one of my lowest moments. Um, yeah, I remember for like a whole month, I was like, okay, I have the skills and everything, but now what? What do I do? How, you know, then I was in Bali definitely didn't know that many people even less than in Australia and I was like I don't really know what to do next or I don't I don't I don't know um and so I did something that really helped me I feel like when you feel low like that you forget about how far you've come so I did something that completely changed my perspective and where I was going so I basically sat down one day and I was like why do I feel so upset when I'm in one of the most beautiful places you know now I know what I want to do I just finished this job that I learned a lot from but why am I feeling so low so I sat down one day and I with a journal and I literally started writing everything from when I finished high school up to then and I wrote all the good things that I had achieved throughout my career, you know, every every single thing. I think it was about seven pages long um, of like all the up and downs and everything, but highlighting um, the good times. And I think that doing that helped me realize, oh wait, I actually have come a long way and I still have a long way to go. But if I was able to do all this, even with a even with the lows, because I believe that that's what teaches you and then gives you that sort of, um, I don't know, force to keep going. Um, yeah. Yeah. I think that really helped me. And then after that, I just, um, you know, decided to keep expanding my skills and then just reach out to a few people while in Bali to a few brands and then once work started coming around and things started moving again, I feel like I started getting confident again and I just kept pursuing that. That's an incredible, that's an incredible story um, and an incredible part of your journey because I think it takes, um, I guess, a certain level of introspection to be able to sit down and say, okay, let me kind of intentionally try to be grateful for where I am and intentionally try to identify the different points in my life and how I've and the, the the valleys I've been in and how I've kind of risen out of those. Um, I think that not everybody has the, the kind of mental resiliency it takes to kind of go through an exercise like that. But I'm so happy to hear that it worked for you. Um, and that was a really pivotal kind of moment in your creative journey. I think that's something that all the listeners today can kind of take some advice from. It's just kind of, if you're ever feeling stuck, it doesn't have to be kind of uh, the, the approach you took where it's like, I'm going to recap uh, my life story here, but it could be something as small as like reflecting on just in the past couple months, 
what are some accomplishments that I've made, big and small, um, and just starting to recognize that in yourself. Because once you actually start that process of identifying um, and kind of marking these little things as kind of wins and accomplishments, it becomes a lot easier to identify them in your everyday life. Um, For me, at certain points in my life, I've been kind of so low that um, if I woke up and I decided to even, you know, open up my laptop to open up and edit or even like kind of looked for inspiration on Instagram or to feel creative, like that was a win. So it's kind of identifying what an accomplishment looks like for you in that time if, of your life. Um, so I think that's that's a really awesome kind of tidbit and part of your story to reflect on. So thank you for sharing that. Oh, no, thank you. Yes, I think I hope it can help someone because I think that, that as creatives, we do go through a lot of up and downs. Like there's not one person that I've spoken to that doesn't. And um Yeah, I think it's really important to obviously feel empowered during the moments where you feel your highest, but it's also important to accept and in a way embrace your low moments because, you know, like like one I once was told, when you're feeling at the lowest, then you only start going up again. So... I think that there's always something to learn from the from the low moment. So it's good to, you know, accept it and just embrace it in a way. And then things are going to get better and things are going to work out. Like everything will work out. It just takes time sometimes. Absolutely. Um, so I am curious to know, um, since you've, you know, d- discussed kind of overcoming these various lows, what are some highs and you're like your most your most proud moments your favorite projects that you've worked on um, throughout your career thus far I think one of my favorite ones was while I was still in Bali um, towards the end of my stay there I had been to a trip at a place called Geeland um, and I had met the owner there Um, it was a surf camp and I had met the owner there and I you know out of the blue I was like oh well do you need some content because, you know, I can send you um, some ideas and this and that. And then after we came back to Bali from that trip, I decided to send him an email and pitch an idea to him of um, content that I could create. And um, and yes, and he agreed. So that was um, one of them. So I got to create content for this surf camp, which was really, really cool. And one of my other favorite projects actually came about um, from another job that I took that I didn't necessarily want to take at that time but I just felt like I had to and I created a really good relationship with the woman she was great she was amazing um and she saw this job posted on a Facebook page and she tagged me and she recommended me as a photographer um and it was for this um company which I don't really know if I would call it a company, I would more call it a community called um, the Solo Female Traveler Network. They were looking for a photographer to go and photograph one of their retreats um, in exchange of content. So they would give you the trip for free. So they would give you the retreat for free in exchange of content. And I just thought that that was such a great opportunity. So, and this lady, she recommended me to this job and I applied and I got the job and it was great. 
I got to travel with them a couple of times and create content for them. And yeah, so that was one of my other favorite projects. That's really awesome. So it kind of stemmed out of something unexpected. Um, so a greater opportunity kind of presented itself through that personal connection that you made. Um, and that's why it's um, it's also the the community building aspect of it, aside from just the portfolio building aspect of it, is also really important. Um, and it's interesting because that job, um, you know, you had described it as you got to, to travel and stuff in exchange for um for making content some people in the like traditional videography field might say if you're not getting you know cold hard cash out of it it's not a worthy job but if it's if it's a a trade or or some sort of system where you're getting something that that you want and the job is fulfilling to you i think you should 100% go for it um because there are many companies that are willing to kind of make those trade-offs um to give you experiences instead of instead of like a check um and i think that that can work out for both parties sometimes um so i think that's that's super awesome and when i noticed what i noticed most about your portfolio is that it's very diverse and one of the things that i was shocked to see was gifts on your portfolio which i thought was genius how have i never thought of this before but it's such um, catchy kind of content and it's, I'd imagine, so easy to produce because you're pulling from your photo or your videos that you already have. Um, and it's like small bite-sized content that you, the people you're creating for can use um, in a variety of ways. So I, uh, I just wanted to call that out um, real quick. So I thought that was really cool that that was part of your website. Yes, no, I love gifts. They're, I guess, in a way, short form content as well. And it doesn't take as much editing as video, but it is more engaging than a simple photograph. And, you know, um, people can use them on like EDMs and everything. Um, Yeah, so I think GIFs are great. That's really cool. That's definitely uh, a tidbit I'm going to keep in the back of my head to to kind of diversify my portfolio. Uh, but I have to kind of learn how to make a GIF, um, which I don't think is is that challenging if you know how to use your uh, your video editing software or your your photo software, um, photo editing software. So I also have to know since a lot of your portfolio features underwater or in the water shots, um, what does a typical day on one of those shoots look like? Um, Cause I imagine you have to wear a wetsuit. I imagine you're kind of gearing up and protecting your gear in a certain way. What does a typical shoot day when you know you're going to be out on the water look like for you? Yeah. So I would um, go down to the beach, take all my gear, um, get in my wetsuit. And then I would put my Sony camera in my salty surf housings. Um, so Salty is a company based in Australia that makes surf housings. Just a protective gear for your, your camera, right? Yes. Yeah. So it's, um, yeah. So it's like a case where I put my camera, um, and I can use it for the surf for underwater. Um, yes. Yeah. Basically I wanted to know how you're getting those because I've seen people do underwater stuff before, but usually they're using something like a GoPro. I didn't really know you could take like your Sony a 6,500 underwater like that, but I guess you just need proper casing in order to do that. Yes. Yeah, definitely. And salt is really good. Um, love the customer services 
uh, I love the customer service and everything. And um, yes, you definitely don't want to put your big expensive camera in something that is not going to be, that it's not going to protect it. So yes, I've been using Salty for about four years. I'm about to um, buy a new housing for my new camera. Um, but yeah, it allows you to create um, high quality photography and video in the water while protecting your gear. Um, so yes. Oh, maybe I should mention though that yes, the first thing that I do as soon as I get to the beach is to assess the conditions. Um, because obviously shooting in the water is very different to shooting in land. There's a lot more that you have to deal with. So that would be the first thing I do. Um, and then I prepare my camera, put it in the housing, get on my wedding and then I just go. <laughs> That's so funny um, that it's like, it's so built into your process now at this point that you're probably like, okay, I just put my wetsuit on, I get the camera going and you're good to go. Um, how do you approach, because uh, most times when I'm on shoots, I bring like a shot list with me and I bring all this stuff, but I'm assuming when you're out on the water, it's just you and your camera. How do you kind of manage your, your creative process in those times during a shoot? Yeah, so when, yes, because I do the same when I'm shooting on land, but when I'm shooting in the water, um, I make sure it's like, if I'm shooting for fun, it's kind of just whatever I should. But obviously if I'm shooting for work, if I'm shooting for a brand, um, I try to plan as much as I can. Um, so last year I, for example, I did a shoot for a, um, paddleboard company and I was doing video in the water as well as photos. And that took a lot of, um, you know, a lot of planning, a lot of storyboarding, mood boarding, and then just before, so I printed everything out and then just before I went into the water, I made sure to have every single shot that I wanted basically imprinted in my head and trying to remember that. Um, yeah, it's kind of tricky sometimes if you're doing it for work, especially for video, because it requires a lot more planning and you need to get certain shots, certain angles, but um, just with a lot of planning, Wow. Yeah, just... yeah, I wouldn't have, uh, I wouldn't have considered that I think, uh, beforehand, but that makes a lot of sense that you kind of just have to keep it all up in your head and, and go out and get what you want and just hope that you, you kind of remember everything. Um, and if not, I guess you can always hop back on land and refer to your shot list, but that requires you to kind of lug everything back and then head back out into the water if you need to. So I'd imagine that those shoot days are pretty exhausting. Am I right? Yes, they're very exhausting. And now thinking about it, I'm actually thinking, hmm, maybe there is a better way of doing it. Maybe there is a way of writing down a mini shot list and waterproofing it some, somehow and just putting it inside my wet. So I don't know, maybe I need to explore that a little bit more. Yeah, that'd be fun. I uh, I think I've seen, um, and this I don't recommend, but I've seen even people kind of like bring their phones or even their cameras I've seen like just protected in a Ziploc bag out into the water which I would never do uh even with insurance I think that that's uh that's too risky but um yeah I'm sure there's ways you can get creative with it definitely and I think also you know once you're in the water you're also um it also it's not up to you or the other person anymore but there's a lot more factors like what are the waves doing what you know like sometimes things don't go as planned and you can't get exactly what you were hoping for but you tend to just improvise oh yes you tend to just 
go with the flow and improvise as well. Absolutely. That makes so much sense. Um, I, I, this is really funny, uh, but I just thought about, uh, do you ever have to watch out for sharks when you're filming? Oh, <laughs> um, I don't really worry about sharks that much when I'm in the water, but, and especially, it's funny because here in Australia, I guess, yeah, people, the first thing they think about is sharks, but, um, I mean, I don't really think about them. If I was, I, I've never seen a fin while I was in the water. I've seen them outside of the water, but I guess if I was inside the water and so on, I don't really know what I would do. It's just kind of being at the wrong place, wrong time. Um, yeah, I feel like there's a lot of other things to I mean, watch out for more. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, I could understand that. But I mean, I guess if you if you see a fin, that could also be some some really great content that your clients should pay extra for if you end up getting the shot. <laughs> oh, definitely, definitely should pay extra for it. <laughs> You're risking your life. <laughs> <laughs> seriously um so what are would you say are the biggest lessons you've learned about photography and videography during your time working the, bi the biggest lesson is that you know I think photography and videography are a never never ending learning process so you always have a lot more to learn and you can't just wait to 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 do something until you know it all because you will never know it all and you sometimes learn on the job um so yes I think that would be a big lesson um to sometimes you just have to take the leap and just you know do it um make your mistakes and learn from them um and then also that client relationship is really important um it's really important how you nourish um, those relationships and, you know, always keeping things professional. But, you know, you just never know. Um, like I said, a lot of my work comes through word of mouth as well. So you always want to do um, your best. You never like upholding those relationships are important because you're once you finish working with a client, your the the opportunities and the network and the connection doesn't end there you know they can pass you on to other people and it can you can just like that one job that you took where you had such a good relationship with the woman that she gave you kind of your dream she pointed you towards your dream opportunity so it's just kind of um keeping that people first mindset in your business yes that's it so Ellie, we are wrapping up here. So I have just a few final questions for you. One being, do you have any exciting projects coming up that you want to plug on the podcast today? Yes, I have a few exciting projects in the near future um, that involve um, a little bit of fashion and surf as well. Um, and especially as the world opens up again, um, I do have some projects in mind that involve traveling. Um, can't really give much detail yet, but um, you can follow me on social media and follow the journey. Awesome. So where can we find you on social media? What's your handle? So on Instagram, my handle is Ellie Bobby. Um, on Facebook is Ellie Bobby Photography. And yes, you can find me on LinkedIn and Pinterest as well. Awesome. And what is your website for those who are curious to see your, your entire portfolio and your services as well? So my website is www.elliebobby.com. 
So um, I'm curious to know, since you kind of have, um, you're used to having a female network out there because you said there's like kind of a really nice community of girls that surf out there. But what does it mean to you to have kind of a network of female filmmakers or to be part of that group of female videographers? Well, the creative industry is very male dominated. So I just love seeing more women, um, you know, launching businesses. And I just feel like women, as women, we are so supportive of each other. Um, And yeah. Yeah, definitely. I mean, that's the whole point of this podcast and hearing your story um, is going to inspire so many other women who want to take the plunge into something as adventurous or... um, or different as kind of that niche of photography and videography and kind of chasing after their dreams and opportunities as far as travel is concerned too. So I think um, your story alone is going to help, you know, a handful of people. And I think that's the power of every guest that we have on this podcast too. It's like your, your personal journey matters and it makes a difference and it's going to make a difference in the lives of at least one person who tunes in to hear it. So um, I think that's, that's really awesome. So my final question for you, Ellie, is how can the viewers and listeners of this podcast support you as a filmmaker? I guess that if, if there was anything that we spoke about in this podcast that you think that might be useful to somebody else, just sharing that, that would be great. And then obviously, um, if you ever want to reach out with any questions, you can, you know, um, reach out and I'm always happy to help and to listen. Awesome. No, that's perfect. Thank you so much for sharing your story and for giving us all this insight into the, the, uh, the interesting and adventurous kind of niche that you're a part of. Um, it's been so awesome hearing your story and I feel like I made a new friend uh, across the world. So thank you so much Mm -hmm. for being here today, Ellie. Thank you so much, Kel. Thanks for having me. This was great. Awesome. So as always, thanks so much for watching and I'll see y'all in the next episode. Bye.